Do you hear it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get the amp. Oh, here it comes. All right, welcome back to another episode of On the Throne with Dick. And a uh, big shout out to Sandra and Boychuk, you know, for making that uh, amazing intro and outro music there. And you can find him on all the socials, just killing it everywhere. And, uh, you know, this week we're we're joined here by Mr. Greg Ryder. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of you probably have heard his songs, especially if you're, you know, in Western Canada, you know, Saskatchewan, Alberta area, you know. Um, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, man. How you guys? How you doing? Man, I am living the dream. I get to go home tomorrow on my days off, so. Beauty. Where are you? So you're, you're working? Oh, you're at work right now? I, I'm at work right now, yeah. I'm in a hotel right now in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Ah, pretty close to Humboldt there. Pretty close to Humboldt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, actually, Highway 35 is uh, a couple years before uh, the tragedy that happened there. Um, we so it okay. Back it up a little bit. In 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 the summertime, I I do road construction. Yep. And I run equipment and yada yada yada. And in the wintertime, I work in the oil and gas industry on a vac truck okay. and chase rigs around. Um, so a couple of years before, maybe two years before the tragedy there, we were out on highway 35, right at that intersection. We, we paved that whole area. Um, and then, you know, a year or two later, uh, you know, around the same time, uh, you know, tragedy struck and, you know, that intersection is now infamous. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's like one of those it's one of those um, moments when when something happens, you remember exactly where you were. It's right up there for me with 9-11. I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I heard about it. And, you know, um, you you played hockey, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you played on a team. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you you know what it's like taking that bus and. You know what it's like being a part of a brotherhood and, and, and what mm-hmm. those boys, the survivors, what, what the survivors mm-hmm. are, you know, what they're missing or what they were missing and probably will be missing for the rest of their life. So, For sure, man. Yeah, I, I, I still remember where I was. You know, I was living down in Nashville at that point. And uh, I remember just yeah, going on my going on my computer that day of and just seeing like Facebook just flooded with, you know, rest in peace. Uh, prayers for Humboldt and I was like what's Humboldt and I was just like and I was like what's Humboldt and I just started looking around because I'm from the east I didn't never heard of that town or anything and then just started doing research and I was just like I was just blown away by by what happened there and uh yeah that's when um it never crossed me to ever write a song it never it never did that but then my aunt actually called me a couple days later and she said so I'm guessing you heard about what, what happened in Humboldt. And I said, yeah, like I've been reading about it for the last couple of days. And she said, would you ever want to write a song for that? And I was like, I don't even know where I'd begin. Like, you know, like that's, that feels almost too big. Like at that point I was never, I wasn't writing about serious things. I was like trying to do more of the, the Nashville kind of more country pop kind of like writing about the generic stuff and, 
I didn't really get into the into the nitty gritty of like deep songwriting. So I almost felt like I wasn't cut out and I didn't believe in myself enough as a songwriter to take on something that big. And, um, you know, by yeah, the grace of God and just allowing me like I, I found a melody in my head. And, um, you know, I, I, I talked to a friend that's never played a hockey game in his life. And he's like, you might have to explain to me all of the all of what like the the things that go on, like a red line, a blue line. He didn't know any of that. So I explained him the game of hockey. And then we sat there and we just crafted line by line. We just sat there and we came up with 16 sticks. It's an incredible song. And I think it's become like one with that event. You know what I mean? Like when, when you think of the humble Broncos, right? You think of, you know, everything that was lost, but then you think of immediately, you know, like 16 sticks, comes to your mind and, and you just start like humming it or singing it out right like mm-hmm. i was i was singing it today because i came across one of your videos there about you know one of your buddies told you hey stop doing quality right and and start doing relatable stuff you know like mm-hmm. quantity right and uh i said i didn't do my homework and i still haven't it. it was just a video i i, I fresh in my mind from this afternoon you know and yeah. uh yeah you were just like damn you know, relatable stuff. Why you were trying to pump out quality, right? And and uh, and yeah. instead of pumping out a lot of stuff, you had one or two things that were like, yeah, this is good, but where's more, right? So I was trying to put on so, and and I think that's this the problem you get stuck in this industry is that you you feel like you have to put all of your work into one song, and it's like, man, I've got freaking songs and songs and songs about like my life and my mistakes. And like, I've lived a, I lived a lot of life. Like I've lived a a big experiences. Like I've done some things that people couldn't even imagine. I just traveled and I did it and I went after it. So I've got so much to draw from. It's not like I'm just a a small town boy that just, you know, you know, worked a job and moved to Nashville and didn't really have much happen. Like I have so much to draw from. So I have all these songs. So I'm like, how am I going to pick one, spend all this money on one song, push it, push it, push it, and then try and keep pushing this up this up the up this hill? And this this mentor of mine was like, Greg, like you're 90% there. Like you you have all the makings to be to, to be a hit singer, a songwriter and singer. It's just like you are just waiting for this so-called all this money to come in so you can then start to like pile up these songs he's like work with the budget you have and just get some songs out and people are going to start to really gravitate towards your songwriting approach and how like i like to write about simple things that people can relate to yep yep and that's that's huge hold on i gotta put my phone on do not disturb here okay um yeah no that's that's huge and you know i can relate oh Where'd you go? I can relate to that in the form of, uh, you know, making TikToks and 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 uh, podcasts, right? Like, you know, you can pump out all the shit you want, but if it's not relatable, no mm. one's gonna care, right? Mm. You can pump out a hundred videos and they're not gonna go anywhere, but yeah. if you pump out, you know, a hundred videos that are relatable. Or not yeah. even a hundred. If you pump out a hundred videos and eighty of them are relatable, you're yeah. gonna, that's where you get your followers, right? That's where you're gonna get the the people like hitting that follow button and being like, "I like this guy," right? And that's TikTok is a is a it's a beast, man. Like it's 
I think I I've gone in waves with it. Like I, I started back in the pandemic and I, and I, and I, I, I started this whole different alter ego. Like I had this thing called Joe Kreider where like I put on this Canadian hat and did like a Canadian accent. And if you go way down on my TikTok, you'll find that, that random shit. But then I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I'm, I'm making myself too goofy. And I, and I almost wanted to be taken a little more serious as a songwriter. So then I almost just completely recycled that. And then I started moving into like more of like my actual like songs and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm constantly battling with, with, with who, what kind of content I want to post and what, what do I find relatable? Because my life has changed so many times over and, 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 and I'm, I'm at a totally different spot now in my life than I was two years ago. So yep. it's so funny, man. But I always think of it as just like, just, just document, document your story and, and just, Whenever you have an idea, I just try and try and make something out of it. And, and I got to play to my strengths and music is my strength and coming up with random songs or random jingles. That's kind of like, that's what I find is entertaining. Yep. Yep. And you, man, you got to do, okay. So you got to do what works for you while also being relatable. Right. So like, yeah. there's always going to be someone that relates to you. Right. Um, mm as long as you're happy with it and it's working, who cares? Right. And, and that's, that's huge. Like, like you said, cause I've seen a lot of your videos, like you said, right. You wanted to go to Nashville to be your stereotypical artist, uh, country music artist. Yeah. Right. That didn't work out for you. That wasn't yeah. who you were. That wasn't in the cards. Right. You wanted to be yeah. someone that you're not. hundred percent, man. And, yeah. and that's what I'm really channeling right now. And it's like, you know, it's taken me a while to like, you know, once I moved out to Alberta and, and I, and I started to really just realize that I'm much more, I want to be a brand rather than a product. And I realized that Nashville is just filled with products. Like they're, they're just walking puppets in my eyes and there's, and, and, and like, they'll do anything that the label tells them to. Like, I'm not like that. Like I, I, I don't like taking direction and I, I just felt like it wasn't a town for me. And you know, I, but I had to go there and figure it out. And I had to go through the dark valleys of like everyone questioning my decisions and being like, dude, like, man, I can't believe you're in, not in Nashville anymore. Like, that's where you make it. That's where all the best go. And I'm like, that's just, that's just one side of it. Like, it, you can go anywhere. Yeah. You can do music from anywhere. Oh, wait for Can you hear me? He's, he's freezing. He's, he's pausing. He's... I don't know what he's doing. Can you hear me? Hold on. Yeah. Let me take off my Wi-Fi. Maybe it's my Wi-Fi. I don't think I'm it going. is, but we'll see. So if you guys haven't heard his song yet, it's called 16 Sticks by Greg Ryder. It's a phenomenal song. When he comes back. Uh-oh. Uh no. Oh, man. What's up, man? Hey. <laughs> hey. Is that yeah, I don't know what happened there. That was, yeah, I don't know what happened there. That was weird. Yeah, I don't know either. It, can it was you, my, can my, you hear my, me? My, oh, yeah. You can yeah, hear I can hear you. Um, But, yeah, I forget what, where we are, where, where we leave off. Oh, no. I'm not on the Wi-Fi. He's on the Wi-Fi. 
I'll go back to 5G then. Oh, is he loaded? Oh, baby, come back. There you are. How's that? Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, I, I went back. I went on Wi-Fi because it was freezing on 5G, but now I'm back on 5G. Yep. That's all right, man. And you know, I don't usually edit, but like if we, you know, something like that happens, I'll, I'll edit. I'll edit a little piece of that out. You know, um, as I always, you know, you can't really edit out conversation when you're face to face, right? So I try to keep it as much to the real life as I can. So you know, I try not to edit, but that that I can edit out. I. Yeah, I, I I've edited out I think two episodes. Uh, the one time I did a big edit, I ended up putting the yeah. one that I didn't edit out, and that's the one that's out there forever now. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, so no you were saying okay. you went to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, went to Nashville, man, and I just think that um, it it taught me so much. Like I do not regret any of my time spent in Nashville because. I went down there with no really idea of if I even wanted to do music full time. And, you know, my story is, is very, very unique how, you know, I, I moved to the Cayman Islands when I was 26 to be a bartender and I was living out on the islands and uh, I was playing open mics around the island. And some girl said to me, she's like, you should go to Nashville. Like, I, you, I feel like you belong in Nashville. And I was like, well, I've never been. So I went down there for 10 days. And then after my fourth night, um, I actually booked a show in Nashville and I canceled my flight back to the Cayman Islands. And that 10 day trip turned into almost two years. And it's like my whole life didn't really, I never had a plan of ever living in Nashville. Like I never, I thought Nashville was always cool, but I never thought I'd ever live there. So I kind of just did it fly by the seat of my pants and I learned so much about music and entertaining and performing. And when I left, I was like, I want to take this back to Canada and I want to kind of do my own thing back there and build my brand up. So it just felt like a time that I, in 2018, when I came back, I decided to kind of go in a different direction. Do you remember, do you remember Ed the sock? Uh, yeah. He was on episode uh, 11, I think, or I think it was 11. He was on. So he was on episode 11, and he said, all that say that how to be Canadian, prove it, right? Prove it. You say you're Canadian and, and you're proud to be Canadian, show us and prove it. And I think you did that. You're, you just said it. You're in Nashville, and you're like, I want to take this back to Canada. I want to take, the, you know, you're, you, you're from here. You wanted it to be here you know that's that's awesome yeah man i just think that you know i think a lot of people run run away from canada to nashville or these bigger cities and i just feel like i just wanted to kind of yeah i wanted to stay and and you know obviously yeah like it's where i come from and after now finding alberta i'm just like this is where i see home but like I still want to be able to travel to the States and, and do things like that. But I do want to come, I, I do want to call Canada home and I do want to, uh, you know, still, still make a good brand here because this is, it's, I'm not trying to be anything I'm not. And I just don't like when Canadians go down to the States and they start acting American and they start kind of just, you know, pretending to be American. It's just like, you know, that's just not me.
What up, Tom McDonald? <laughs> Tom McDonald. You don't know who Tom McDonald is? Uh, he's Canadian. Yeah, he's yeah, he's Canadian. Yep. Yeah. Wow, where did he come from in Canada? I think he's from Vancouver. He actually lived in Alberta at one point. He worked the rigs. And then, yeah, that that guy you think is American? Yep, yeah, he lives in L.A. and he's very Americanized. I love his music. I love his music, but he he turned his back on Canada. It's like he doesn't care at all. Huh? He just had a song put out called "American Flag," right? So, True. you know, yeah. Wow, I yeah, I did not know that. If I if I always thought he was freaking American. Yeah, you know and what? That's Some what people, you were just saying, right? That's exactly easy. Yep. yep. Some people do that and to just, you know, feel like they have to almost, they feel like Canada slows them down and they feel like, you know, they're not going to be as big if, if they say they're from Canada and you know, it depends what your goals are. It depends on what you, what you want to be. If you want to be a, just a big household name. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's more about what am I trying to do with my music? Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm very passionate about, you know, helping people in like mental health and being very vulnerable about my story and, and mine, like I'm, I'm an open book when it comes to that stuff. And like, you know, I could easily be a, if I wanted to go that route and, and, and just not talk about that stuff. But I know that if I got famous or started to blow up when I was in Nashville, I probably would have screwed it up or I would have drank away my opportunity if I was on, if I was on the road and yeah. I'm just very grateful that I didn't get my, my big shot when I was down in Nashville because I would have screwed it up. Yeah. You were saying like you suffered a little bit of mental health while you're there and maybe you, you didn't dive too much into like um, your substances or your substance of choice, but like you kind of just said it, you, you, you were into the drink, right? So. Yeah. And, and down there, dude, it was just like every, I played six nights a week and it was always free alcohol. It was free drinks and people would be buying me drinks every single day. And, um, you know, I would, I would go and sometimes do 11 AM gigs and I'd have people that were there on holidays and they're bringing you Jameson shots up to the stage. And, and all of a sudden you're bombed at like 3 PM, you go home for a nap you come back you play the night gig. And, for about six months, like that's a freaking dream. Like for six months, it's like, man, this is the best life. But then you do that for a year and a half. You start to contemplate everything. You realize how much you're neglecting your body and your health. And you're waking up at 2 p.m. You're hungover all the time. Your voice is like raspy because you all you do is sing. And you just, you're overweight. You look like shit in the mirror. It just, it just started to feel like, you know, I was just, I was just holding on. I was just holding on by just the, the scruff of my neck. And like, you know, you put a couple shots down before the show and then you go up and play. And then when I went home to Canada in 2018, I remember just sitting with my parents and I was just like, I'm so tired, man. I'm so burnt out. And like, I came home, all I wanted to do was drink and, and that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, like, yeah, there's some, there's other shit going on in my head that I feel like I need to really, I really need to look at. Yeah. So what, uh, what made you start? Cause you, you did a like high school tour, right? Like 90 high schools or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I've that always, video too, man. See, like I, I'm probably, I promise you I'm not doing my homework guys. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I did that. And, um, you know, I always, I always, 
my first my first love was actually public speaking. Like before I got into music, before I even started playing the guitar, I always loved public speaking. And um, you know, I was a very confused kid growing up, and music kind of came to me pretty late. And uh, you know, I talk about my story about being very lost in high school. Like I feel like I've been lost most of my life. Like just kind of wandering around. I never could hold down a serious job. Never could really hold down a relationship. I was always going and that's obviously later in my life getting diagnosed with ADHD and being able to connect the dots back I realized okay this is why you're so impulsive this is why you could never hold down anything it's like I was always just like seeking adventure and seeking just crazy risks and you can't live that way for too long like it, it finally catches up with you and it caught up with me in Nashville and it just it made me just go it's time for me to really really slow down and, uh, you know, I've always wanted to, to, to inspire, inspire youth and tell kids and it, it's okay to not know what you want to do in high school. It's okay to be like, I, cause I felt like everyone had a plan except for me. And if I didn't try different things, if I didn't try every different career and every different interest, I wouldn't have stumbled upon music because it was something that I was so scared to do in front of people. And when people see me perform now, they're like, I, there's no way that you used to be nervous on stage. Like, and I'm like, you've never seen me. Like, you put a mic in front of my hand as a public speaker, different story. You put a guitar in my hand, I was so nervous. And uh, it took me, it took me a, a long time. And I, and, I, and I just pushed through it. And I was like, I just want to get better at this. I want to get better at singing on, and live and performing. So, yeah, man, I went on this high school tour and I got to talk to students about my story of, you know, moving to Nashville and kind of just the hope and resiliency and kind of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people like, you know, a lot of friends lost a lot of friends along the way. A lot of people never believed in me. You know, my parents were so supportive, but they came from such a safe life and safe environment that they're just watching their son just continue to go down this this route of like chasing his dreams but it was hard for them you know it's hard for them to see you know their their kid just keep pushing it but then also like not sure what he's doing with no stability yeah so yeah um yeah man i just think yeah the high school too was very good for me and it just taught me it taught me that I just want to help people. I want to help people with my music and my, my story. And, you know, I don't have like, I, yes, I'd love to play festivals and stuff like that, but that's not my only goal. Like, yeah, it's important to me to, to be able to get my message across. That's huge. Um, you know, I relate to the ADHD thing because, you know, it's never been diagnosed, but dude, hundred percent. I have it, you know, I'm, I'm squarely all the time. The, the high risk, low reward factor is there for me. Um, as I get older, I find myself, you know, coming out of that a little bit more, you know, um, mm -hmm. I take less risk or, or I calculate it a little more in my head before I do it. I've been with my wife for almost 20 years and it's probably the last five, six, maybe seven years where I really started to, you know, come into my own and, um, you know, I felt very lost as well and not mm -hmm. knowing, you know, where I belonged in the world. And, you know, um, I'd say when I had when I had my oldest daughter, uh, she's she'll be six this year. Um, you know, that's it started to change for me as well. Um, mm. You know, but even after that, I still went through at the beginning of COVID and a little bit into COVID, you know, 
I, I still went through a little bit of a dark place. I, I was maybe you call it depression. Let's fucking call it depression. I was depressed for a little bit and uh, very, very out of tune with who I thought I was becoming. Mm. And, you know, I was in this deep, dark hole. And when I was down there, I found myself staring at my staring at myself, not liking the person that I was looking at, you know, and and, yeah. you know, it took it took a little while. And I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell anyone. I felt like I had to crawl my way out of that deep hole by myself. And mm. when I emerged from that hole, you know, I I I found a newfound sense of like of self, you know, a newfound uh, sense of self and and i found you know kind of sort of who i am you know and um i think that's made me a better father and a better husband really honestly through that i I probably should have told someone and had the help but you know as a man you know we all as men that's it's a little hard to do and you know Mm -hmm. we're trying to break that stigma we're trying to get there so as say now you know the podcast talk a lot of mental health especially men and even the women but um you know we talk a lot about it on here and it it helps a lot of people i get a lot of messages saying hey man um you know people look at me as like a blue collar oil field guy and that's supposed to mean you know i'm an alpha male or something or i'm i'm big and i'm you know ah i don't think that at all but they they look at it that way and they're like hey thanks for talking about it because if you can do it i can too Right. And I leave that mail, my, my inbox open for those people all the time. Message me anytime you want. If you want to talk, let's talk. If you want someone to listen, I'll listen, you know? So that's huge, dude. And I think, yeah, man, I think definitely the construction and the, you know, definitely out here in Alberta, man, it's like something that I'm picking up on and, you know, I'm doing a golf tournament on August 10th. So next Thursday, and we're raising money for mental health. And, um, you know, I just want to do my part to just continue to raise conversation and like, yeah, just like you said, man, just climbing out of that hole by yourself. Um, it's so, it's so tough. It's so difficult to, to, to pull yourself out of that hole. And, you know, obviously like not everyone makes it out and, you know, there's, there's a lot of stories of, 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 of men's suicide and, you know, especially in these small towns, man, like, you know, I, I hear about it all the time and it's, it's so sad that, that to hear that, you know, these men are just struggling in silence and they get to a point where, yeah, they think the only way out is this and they leave behind families and kids and it's, it's, it's horrible to see, man. And it's just like, yeah, I just, I can just relate to the average man that just doesn't feel like, feels so lost and feels like he's not making, making getting to where he wants to get to and just, and just putting yourself in the self doubt and, and escaping through substances and realizing it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, that that stuff's not helping. It's like, you have to, you have to go clean. You have to knock the distractions off and you have to fight through this shit sober. And, you know, sitting, sitting with your demons sober is one of the freaking toughest things, but like, like, sometimes that's the only, the only way to do it. I don't, I don't do drugs and I don't drink. Right. And I've never done drugs. And, um, I, so I think the last time I had a drink and I mean, by a drink, I mean a cap full, if followed by like a half a bottle of like Coke or Pepsi. 
a couple weeks ago I had a drink, but like, you know, I don't drink and I don't do any of that because I watched my dad. My dad was an alcoholic and he suffered from mental health and you know, that which, which he took out on the whole family, you know what I mean? And, and which is where mine stems from, uh, childhood trauma right so you know i and my wife same thing parents alcoholics uh had had bad mental health and didn't know how to deal with it and you know went down that route so we we're we were we're breaking the cycle you know both of us were we're a little bit we're a little bit uh hurt i guess inside we're going through it and you know we both don't drink and we both don't do any kind of drugs. I think we had our first edible last summer. Right. right. And we're in our mid thirties. Right. So like, she's like, do you want to try an edible? I'm like, yeah, I do. I just kind of wanted to do it with you forever. And she's got super bad anxiety. And she said yeah. when she took that edible for the first time in her life, the voices were gone. Wow. Yeah. And, and now we got to be careful with that. Right. Cause what is that signal now? Right. Cause it, it's, it's a whole new piece for her. What comes next more. Right. And so we, we had to have that talk. We had to discuss what this means and how like, Hey, this isn't a medicine. This is mm-hmm. just, Hey, we we're having a good time. We tried one. We're in our mid thirties. We're kind of behind the eight ball, I guess you could say. And uh, you know, so we, we tried it and, and that was it. You know, we, we have a whole pack of them still in the cupboard at home. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's just wild, you know, trying to break that family, that vicious family cycle, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's difficult. It really is. You know, there's times where, you know, I work sometimes a hundred, 120 hours a week, sometimes more. Right. And, you know, I'm on call 24 seven. I could be in a rig tank at two o'clock in the morning, cleaning it out. And, you know, I go back, I get like two hours of sleep. I get called back out to work time to go again, try raw dogging the shit out of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Try raw dogging that. I, I understand. I understand how people in the blue collar uh, industry and the oil field, I understand how they get wrapped up into the substances. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's right, but I get it. I get it, right? You're, you, it's hard to function at a high level like that with, on a lack of sleep all for for a long period of time. I understand that there are better ways around it, a hundred percent. But yeah. I understand, you know, hundred percent. It's <clears throat> that's the thing. You have to be like you, you yeah. And like, like I said, you know, I quit. I quit drinking now. It's coming up on two years, and you know. Congratulations, tough, man. Thank you. And it's just tough to see people just, yeah, going through it in the middle of it. And, you know, it's an identity, man. And it's, and it's, it's tough when you're trapped in it. It's, it doesn't feel like there's any way out. And, you know, yeah, I, uh, I quit drinking and, you know, obviously, yeah, like my past is like that too. My dad, my dad always, always told me, he's like, drink to have fun. Don't drink to get drunk. But then I'd see him drunk, and then he'd be like, "I'm having fun," and I'm like, "Ah, you, you, you guy, you, you, you got me with that one." So he, I grew up in a, in a culture where drinking was just very accepted, and it almost felt like that's what everyone did. Like everyone got wasted on weekends, and you know, and that was my life, man. Just I just was always partying, always, always the guy 
that you called if you wanted to have a good you want to have a good time have a couple of beers go go on the town you called greg it was just my identity for so long um so you know yeah kind of removing that identity from me was uh was definitely tricky but uh i definitely uh i'm definitely very proud of you know how how far i've come that's awesome, man. Um, you, you told us how you ended up in Nashville from the Cayman Islands, but how did you end up in the Cayman Islands from, from Waterdown, Mississauga area? Yeah, so for me, you know, I I went back, I moved, I was living in, I was living in Montreal when I was 22. I moved out there from Ontario. Um, so I was kind of always just on the move. Like I, I would live in Waterdown for a bit and I, it, was, it was never, it was never a place I could call home. Like I knew I was never going to, um, I know, I knew I was never going to live there. I just, I knew there was just too, there's too many other places that attracted me. Um, my eyes were too big and um, I always knew it was a landing spot for me. So when I was about 24, 24 years old, um, you know, around 24, 26, that was a very dark time in my life because I moved home from Montreal and, you know, I was, I was living this really cool life out there. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was doing a sales job. I was playing a lot of music. Uh, I was a club promoter. Um, you know, I was just out in the nightlife a lot, just being a 22 year old, 23 year old. So living in the city and then coming back to a small town of Waterdown, you know, I started to kind of hang back out with, you know, my old high school friends and like we started to just drink, drink again. And I was smoking cigarettes and I was doing drugs again. And I was just I just got into a really bad rut where I was just like I fell I fell back in with the old boys and uh, I just wasn't growing. And I um, I remember, you know, one day just waking up and going outside. It was about 2 p.m. I was so hungover. I was, I had a cigarette in my mouth and my hair was a mess. And I remember looking in the mirror in the, in this, the, in the little, this little mirror that was outside. And I remember seeing a glimpse of myself. I was like, bro, what happened? Like, what's going on with you? And, uh, I'm like, man, you were always the kid with this, this crazy amount of potential, like the kid that could like, you know, entertain a crowd. You could just, you could speak in front of anyone. You were never scared. What happened to that guy? Like that guy died, that guy died. And now you're just this guy that's just like, you know, pissing it away with drinks and drugs and, you know, you can't get a grasp. So I hit this really dark thing and I, and I went to the doctors and they put me on antidepressants and, you know, I went on those for two weeks and then took them back. And I said, Nope, I can't do this. Um, these are too dark for me. And then he started introducing me to meditation and all these like natural remedies for, for anxiety so I started to get on that route. And then as I was laying in bed, I actually, uh, to, to accommodate all that stuff, I had to get a hernia surgery. So then I was in bed with all these thoughts and I'm sitting there watching movies all day. I decided to watch Cocktails um, with uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> and I, I remember watching this movie in bed and I was like, he's, he, lived in, he, he went to Jamaica. And I was like, man, that would be sick. Like just go to an island and be a bartender. So I started to do my research and I was like, how do I find out how to get to the Cayman Islands? And this, this one girl on my Facebook randomly had a post about her moving to the Cayman Islands. And I was like, Ooh, the Cayman Islands, that sounds pretty interesting. So 
I, I talked to her and I got, I got in touch with the, the, the job management company that like places people in the Cayman Islands and I gave them my resume and I got an interview and then kind of the rest is history. And I moved out there um, around, yeah, 26 years old. But one of the funny stories is it took me, it took me a couple of weeks for them to get back to me and I didn't hear back from them for about a month. So I, I can, I, I said, ah, this sucks. Like I didn't get it. So now I got to find a new way out. So I accepted a job in BC to sell alarm systems from door to door. Cause I was so desperate to get out of my hometown. So I threw a going away party at my local bar to go a going away party for BC. And then I woke up the next day and I went to get a, a big slice of pizza from Gino's and I was sitting there. Shout out Gino's. Yeah. And I was yeah. sitting there eating my, eating my, my pizza, my phone rings, and this, and this lady's like, hey, Greg, um, why haven't we heard back from you yet? Did you not want the job in the Cayman Islands? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I never got an email or anything. And she's like, let me check. And she's like, and then she, she, she repeated her email back to me. I'm like, no, we're missing, we're missing a letter. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. So then, I'll, then the emails finally came in. It was like, yeah, we want you. Can you be down in the Cayman Islands? And I literally was like, nope, not going to BC anymore. I'm going to the Cayman Islands, and then two weeks later, I was living out there. <laughs> that's uh, that's a very ADHD thing. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was yeah. just like change plans like that. Yeah. Like if I got – and that's the thing. If I get something in my head and I make and make, make a decision, I, I can't – you can't turn me off of it. Like – and that was like Nashville, dude. When I left, I was like, nope, I'm done. And my parents were like, why don't you just go back and like, don't play as much or like, nope, it's, it's all in or all out. Like there's no in between. Yep. Yep. Once you make it, that's it. Um, so I, I sort of have a similar, not end up in the Cayman Islands, but I went from Hamilton, Ontario to, you know, high school's over. I need a job. Started applying. Yep. Oh, no, we didn't apply, actually. Uh, my wife had family out in Vancouver area, Port Coquitlam. Yep. So we, Port Moody, actually. So we went out um, there, and I didn't have a job lined up. So I, yep. I spent the first week I was there looking for work, and it was not hard to find it. They were building for the 2010 Olympics. So we started, um, I started working anywhere I could, and nothing yep. I seemed to get I liked. So, you know, my wife found something she liked. It was working there for a bit, and you know, I couldn't find anything. So I, I plucked us out of there. I, I We applied for a place in Banff at a resort. We both got, we went there to work with for a couple months. We, you know, I'm not a housekeeper or, or a handyman, so that didn't work out for us. So we started applying yeah. everywhere else. The writing was on the wall, and uh, we ended up in Saskatoon. Uh, where I, we lived for like three years or four years. And, you know, we, we ended up there and I was working at Leon's Furniture for $13 an hour. And I'm like, there's more to living out west than 13 bucks an hour. If I'm going to live that far away from home, I got to make more than this. Ran into a guy yeah. who, who worked in the oil field. We talked. I got all my tickets. Couple Within a month, I think it was, I was out in the oil patch living in Saskatoon. Um, decided that, you know, okay. How did that go? Saskatoon. We went back to Ontario and I flew back and forth uh, after a while. And then it's like, Hamilton is just not for us. It was a landing spot. 
right? I can't be here. So we went to Hamilton. Uh, from Hamilton, you know, we went to Edmonton. We, we lived in Edmonton for six years. Yeah. And uh, after after about six years, I'm like, hey, where are we going now? We're either going to Calgary or we're going home. So we yeah. went back to Ontario right before COVID. And oh, so we were in the I, same place during COVID. Yeah. yeah. So, so for COVID, I ended up back in Hamilton. Didn't want to be there. So starts the beginning of the mental health stuff. Not the beginning. There were precursors to that. That just exposed it a little bit, right? Um, you know, I yeah. couldn't fly back and forth as much. I spent 20 days at home in two years because of the flying situation. Uh, looked at my wife, said, hey, we got to go back to Alberta. She said, Calgary. I said, let's do it. So we went to Calgary. We lived there for two years. Uh, we lived in a great neighborhood in the southeast, deep southeast. You know, uh, yeah. beautiful gated community. Uh, then, no, I we're done moving now because we were going to there for, that was what we were going to do. We were going to stay there. But um, with, with all that, you know, then comes, all right, now it's a six-hour drive home from work. And if I'm working around Edmonton, I got to find a place to stay that night. So we we started spending every weekend in Edmonton and, you know, yeah. getting Airbnbs and stuff like that. And it became expensive. So I'm like, hey, let's let's move back to Edmonton. It makes more sense. The wife's like, OK, we've been back in Edmonton for a year, uh, not a year, geez, a month. Right. And, yeah, dude, that's that's, and, a, that's, that's where, a big story as well. That's where we're going to stay. How bad was living in Ontario during the pandemic? And honestly, I was there, but I heard lots of things, right? So, you know, I'd go home to visit for like three days and I'd have to wear the mask the whole time. And it was like, oh, this sucks, right? There, you couldn't go to a restaurant. Yeah. Alberta was wide open, right? And, yeah, you know, dude, it uh, was Saskatchewan brutal. was wide open. Yep. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how people did it, man. I don't know how people did it in Ontario. Like, I, yeah, I'm so grateful for, you, you know, my song 166 because that's the song that got me out of Ontario. Um, you know, I I flew out here during, during about 2021. End of 2021, I flew out here to do a, a fundraising event uh, in Edmonton, actually, in St. Albert. And, um I actually like, I went out here for a week and I was like, man, like I was just talking to people. I'm like, these are my people out here. Like, you know, they're not afraid to, to talk a bit, you know, to not afraid to speak their mind. Like the COVID conversation was much different. There was more hope under people's breaths. It wasn't like in Ontario, it was just like, oh, this is the new way of life. This is what we're going to be like. This is life. And like in Alberta, it's like, no, this shit's ending soon. Like, don't worry. We're getting back. To, we're getting back to life soon. I'm like, yes. Yep. Like there's hope. And uh, I came, I, I moved, went back to Ontario for about a month and I was like, nope, this ain't for me. I got to get out as fast as I can. Yep. Is that when uh, freedom, freedom in the country uh, how came about? Yeah, that came about. It, it, it was really, I was living in Calgary at the point. So I, I spent about three months in St. Albert. Then I moved to Calgary. I was living in the Northeast, um, you know, just barely just scraping by. Like it was like, yeah, I was in a, I, I just, it was a tough time. It was a tough time again because um, 
you know, I, I drank for a bit. And then on October 12th, 2021, I quit alcohol and it was tough, man. Like I, I didn't really leave the house much. I was very like, I stayed, I stayed home a lot. I was training. I was, I did a lot of exercise though, which really helped me. I was running a lot and I was getting back in my fitness, but, um, I just stayed away from a lot of things. But then, you know, when that convoy, when the convoy started, I sat there at my computer and, um, again, I swear, I don't come up with these ideas by myself. Like people usually tell me to write songs about this. And then that usually sparks my creativity and I write it. And same thing, an old friend of mine called me and was like, you need to write a song about the Freedom Convoy. And I was like, ah, no, I don't even know what I'd say. And then again, it just happens, man. It just, it, it, it all of a sudden it becomes like everything I think about. And then I had more confidence in myself because of 16 sticks. And I'm like, I know I could probably write something if I really put my brain to it. And uh, I called my friend from uh, Nashville, Carly Teft. And I told her that I have this big song idea and we should write it. And we jumped on a Skype call that day and just started writing it. That's awesome. I love, I love how that happens. You know, um, I made a video uh, for TikTok sort of like that. It, it, we, I was live on TikTok and you know, I, I was in a hotel in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. And you know how sometimes you open up the drawer, the, the Bible in there, there's, you shake it, $20 bill pops out or $5 bill or whatever. And I'm um, like, it'd be weird if it happened right now, right? And then we, we start coming up with an idea. It formed in, in the live. And uh, Jesus's yearbook and I should sign it and, and whatnot. And, and you know, I, I can't remember all the specifics, but I turned it into a video. I got off live right away. Like there was like 20 people in this feed me this idea. I get off live right away. I put parts of everyone's idea into a video, post it right away. It has like a couple hundred thousand views. It was funny. That's awesome. So what was it? It was like, yeah, there's money in the Bible. Yeah, I was like, all right. You know, so here I am in this hotel room. And you know, sometimes you open it, you flip the Bible around and my, or you open the Bible and money comes out. Well, I opened the Bible, but I was really violent with it. And then I over my shoulder, no, no money in there. Right? And then uh, it'd be like, you know, maybe somebody wrote something here. And then and then someone, I opened it and someone had actually written something in the front, like their name or something. And I'm like, oh, look, someone signed their name. So I'm like, I'm going to sign Jesus's yearbook too. So then I started signing my name in it. I showed that I signed my name in it and I put it back. And there was just a bunch of controversial things that happened in that video by first of all, throwing the Bible over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, dude. Oh, shit. What do you draw? What do you draw in there? I don't know. I just do. This is my ADHD doodle. Yeah, just, no, I, just, I do that. Just, hey, I love that. I love that. Just doodling. How old are you? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. We're we're pretty much. I'm thirty-four, so you're thirty-three. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, do you do you ever do you ever spend any time in Hamilton at all? Like, I definitely yeah. Like, I well, growing up, like that was my that was my my place to go out. Like, we we'd spend a lot of time in Hess and. Hess Village Hess, was our was our, Hess Village, was, yep. our, was our bars. That's what we used to go down to. And yeah, dude, I uh, 
Yeah, man. I spent some time in Hamilton for sure. What about roller gardens? What was yeah. that, sorry? What about roller gardens? No, it you wasn't there for roller gardens. Oh, man. Dude, that was the place to be on, like, uh, well, a Friday, Saturday night for sure. But I went every night of the week. I used to sell Pokemon cards just to be able to go every night, right? It was it was wild. I'd use the Pokemon as currency. It was it was crazy. This is, is this where your so, conversation with OJ that OJ guy, what's it with the, the Canadian rapper? That's where your OGR, conversation started to branch off. OGR Scintilla. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, but it was more back towards the beginning there. I, I can't remember how it went or how it started. I'd have to listen to that episode again. But uh, yeah, usually usually you can tell where it starts going off the rails a little bit. Or we just have a good time with it, you know. It's just, you just go with the flow. I got I got I got to collaborate with that guy. We got to write some some Canadian banger. Do it. Do it. Reach out to him. I'll tag him when I when I uh post the teaser trailers. I'll tag him. I'll tag him and tell him actually I'll just text him. I'll text him when I get off this, man. Like I OGR and I are buds now. We're we're bros. So love it. Yeah, I man. Love it, man. Be like be like you need to team up with Greg Ryder and come up with some Canadian banger. Is he from Alberta? Yeah, he, he lives uh, down south of you, actually. He lives okay, uh, lower Owen town and all that are. Where? He lives, he lives south of Medicine Hat. Oh, he's Medicine Hat. Okay. Oh, south nice. of there. Yeah, south of there. Yeah, no, cool. he's, he's, uh, he's a good old southern Alberta boy for sure. Cool. That's awesome to hear, man. Yeah. No, he's got some... Uh, he was, I feel like me and him were, like, when he was really new on TikTok, like he was doing the Canadian toque thing and I was doing the Canadian toque thing. I probably took that from him, to be honest, way back in the day. Um, but yeah, it, it was working for us. It was working for me for a bit. And I was just, yeah, it was funny, man. It was just like, I was just doing a Canadian accent and just really going off of it. And he just stuck with it. Like he just kept rolling with it. Yep. Hey, if it works. Keep on doing it. Take it to the grave. I know. That's that's what I that's that's the advice I should have took with uh with Joe Kreiner. I stopped doing that. Well, it's never too late to fire it back up again. It's true. Hey, so do you think you could play sixteen six for us on one of your guitars you got in the background there? Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I love I love getting like a live live concert or whatever and this song is amazing if no one's heard it yet get on it look for it here it is Playoff win. 
And I'll chase on a cold Saskatchewan night Around Highway 10 on Highway 35 There were lost big 66 Playing at center ice Picking signs Frozen in time with the benders high Until it's wrapped a light they were long space sixteen trees I could carry it on with yellow and green through every heartbreak loss, every hometown win. Nothing would take away those times. And those sixteen six will live forever all night. Sixty minutes at the end of the week. And they were humble hills you see and believe. And passion and faith laced up in those gates that brought the whole town alive with every red light shade. There will always be 16 trees I can carry it on But yellow and green Through every heartbreak loss And every hometown win Nothing would take away those times And those 66 would live forever on ice No matter how much time passing, wins or losses, I know that they'll be watching. Yeah. There will always be sixty-six laying at center ice, the picket signs frozen in time where the banners hide until it's wrapped in line. There will always be 16 trees that get carried on with yellow and green. Through every heartbreak loss and every hometown win. Cause nothing would take away those times. And those 66 will live forever on us. And those 66. We'll live forever on us. Man, that's beautiful. That is that is beautiful. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Man, man. how long did it take you to, to write that? Mm, I'd probably say with like corrections and stuff like that, probably like a good six hours. Nice. You. That's huge. I thought you were gonna say six days. It makes six with six hours. No, I work. I work pretty fast. I work pretty fast. I usually get a very good like first draft down, and then it just comes down to just like fine tuning, fine tuning. But like, yeah, you're always working on it. You're always uh, 
but yeah, it got to a point where I was like, it was a quick one. It, it uh, once I got the melody down, once I had the meaning behind it, once I had what I wanted to say with it, it would just, it kind of, it started to kind of fall out. I know, I know OGR said when he was on the podcast, he said he used to be a good writer. Being a good writer wasn't enough. He had to be fast, right? You had to ride the mm. momentum of whatever it is that you were doing, right? And you, you had to get, you had to be good, but then you had to get fast, be good and fast, right? And, yeah. and pump that out, right? And so, you know, he would, he would write a little bit, go do something else, come back, write the rest of it. He could have one out in a couple hours. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I know, man. I'd love, I'd love to, I'd love to chat with him about his, his, his songwriting. And I think that's where I'm at right now, dude. Like, I've got to find a way to just to go to go like that. I need to I need to really just channel the songwriting and just get quick and fast and start putting out stuff because the more stuff I put out, the more stuff it has a bigger chance of just like grabbing a hold of it. And um, you know that's why I want to jump in the studio. I found this producer that's going to give me a, a really good deal and a good discount, and I'm just going to go and just get some songs going because I've been sitting on some of these songs for five years and it's like. I need to, I need to, I need to start getting some material out. You absolutely do. So when, when you wrote 16 sticks, um, you went to humble and you sat in the, in the locker room, right? I, I yep. saw that picture, um, or that video. Uh, did you get to meet any of the players? I met, uh, Caleb. I met Caleb. I met, um, that's the only one I met, um, of the, of that team. Um, but the, the, the coolest part, man, was like was meeting the families. Like I got to, I'm I'm good friends with a couple of the families now that lost their lost their sons, and you know, I one of one of the most amazing most performances that I'll never forget was when I got to go to Chris Joseph's house, which is a former former Edmonton Oiler, and he lost his son, and he invited me over for a barbecue, and had four of the families there. And we all sat around and just ate barbecue. And then at the end of the night, he said, if you want to play 16 Sticks, we'd love to hear it. And I got to play that song for for, for their families. That's huge. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Caleb, Caleb's taken an interesting journey since, since then, eh? Um, he's at the University of Toronto. He yep. wrote a book, Crossroads. Incredible um, book. Incredible book. Um, Caleb is actually coming on the podcast. We we've talked to him. We're trying to work it out. He's a busy guy, right? So, yeah. you know, we, we've been messaging back and forth. I've had to put it in his calendar. We're actually going to supposed to do it on July 19th, but um, I got busy that day and we we're, we're, we're just in the works of rescheduling. So it's gotta be something I think I do when I'm at home on days off. So work doesn't get in the way. Right. How, so how many yeah. podcasts have you done now? This will be like, oh, geez, this will be like 35, 36, nice. this episode. So, yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're having fun with it. We're, we're going good. You know, um, it's meant to, you know, so people only can know you through your music. And people can only know you through, what, 30-second clips or a minute-long clips on 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 the internet right so this the podcast is meant to be like uh well hey come spend an hour hour and a half however long it takes with me and we talk we 
we peel back the layers and we get to we get to know you what makes you tick why you do the way that do why you do some of the things that you do and yeah. you know and and helps helps with that yeah man i like that that's yeah, that's man. exactly why i want to start my podcast too it's just like yeah, yeah i i i started doing it kind of like you know on my own and stuff like that and then i uh i met this guy that owns a marketing studio and he's he just kind of like, I told him about the idea and he's like, man, let's go in on this. Like I'll take care of all the editing and all like the, the video. So he does videography. So he sets up two cameras. We got all the mics, we got a beautiful studio and it's just, you know, I just wanted to do it like that. I wanted to do the Greg Ryder show and I wanted to kind of do it on that kind of level. So, um, yeah, that should be launching. Um, should be the first episode coming out in August. I love that. Hey, where can people find you on uh, social media? By the way, I forgot. I should ask that way back that back there. But yeah, just uh, Greg Ryder official on all on all social media, and uh, Ryder is R I D E R, not R Y. Nice. Hey, I got a, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you know what viscosity is? Viscosity. Yeah. Do you, do no. you know what viscosity is? Something that's viscous. No. So viscosity would be like the thickness of a load or, or thickness of mud, um, okay. you know, so, so they, they, they can pour chemical down hole uh, on the rig to, to make mud more viscous or less viscous. Uh, yeah, where, where I'm going with this is the podcast is sponsored. You know, we got, got to get into that um, by the mud man. The Mudman uh, has all your drilling uh, fluid equipment and your laboratory testing equipment needs, you know, uh, www.mudmanmarket.com. Uh, check it out. You know, um, I don't, the, the, the viscous conversation has taken interesting turns uh, throughout the episodes. When you say the thickness of a load or how thick a load could be, you can only imagine where that conversation goes at times. Yes, I can see. I can see that taking a, a taking a turn for sure. Oh, it gets interesting. You know, if you're, uh, if, yeah. you're if, if you're gone if you're gone for a week, I'm I'm sure I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm gone for more than a week. I'm gone for sometimes a month at a time. Sometimes uh, back in the day, six months at a time. Believe me, the viscosity <laughs> that my wife got was insane. Like it was like drywall putty. Right, like she was sticking to the walls. <laughs> there that's you how, go. That's how you have triplets. That's how you have triplets. And my wife is actually on uh, fertility meds that you know increase the chances of triplets and quadruplets. So mix that with my viscosity, with the viscous of my boys. And and we could have some triplets or more. Yeah, you could have you could have uh, you could have a whole new show with that. You could have the the <laughs> the frosties. You, you know, you could just call it like the eight the eight frosts eight frosties. Dick dick plus eight. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. We we call my kids the frostlings right now, so they're the frostlings. So you know, there's two of them. Um, it's a great name, good branding name, Dick Frost. Hell yeah, man! Come on, yeah, well, that's not your—that's not your real name. Look at look at my shirt. I saw that only Frost. Only 
Only Frost, man. Yeah. Is your is yeah. your first name Dick? Well, it's Richard. So Dick, right? Yeah. Richard Frost. That's that's a that's a name lottery. So a lot of people ask, how do you get Dick from Richard? And the answer is pretty simple. You just ask nicely. <laughs> I thought you were gonna get, I thought you were gonna tell me some really really cool story of how Dick comes from Richard, but I, I, I do like that joke. I honestly too. don't even know. My I don't know. I don't know how, how people does, got like, Dick who from Richard. randomly came up with that. It's just like Richard. Oh Dick. It's like what? Yeah, well Rick. I don't even know how you get Dick from Rick, but Richard Rick Dick. I I don't know. I, I don't know. Um I'm gonna yeah. Google the origins of how you know Dick comes from Richard at the after we're done here. So <clears throat> <laughs> going to a, um, going to a deep hole. Yeah, we're, so www.mudmanmarket.com or did I say .ca? I don't I know. I think you said .com. I think I said .com. I've only said it a thousand times. <laughs> but <laughs> so um, I got um, Where do you see yourself as a musician in the next five years? Next five years, I, I definitely. I see myself being able to travel across, you know, Canada, North America. I'd love to, con I'd love to, I'd love to convert an RV or something. I'd love to travel across this, this country and putting on shows and yeah, you know, just, yeah, just doing shows, man, doing speaking, sharing my story and, you know, really taking, taking a charity, taking a foundation that I'm, that I'm building right now and taking that to a new level and just helping mental health get put on the map and you know I'd, I'd love to be uh i'd love to be a forefront member of mental health in canada and just allowing the conversation um for men i think men is so important and i think it needs to be talked about more and um yeah i just think if i i, I have to lead from the front and so i just continue just to continue just to get stronger mentally physically and let my brand continue to grow, man. And uh, yeah, it's all about becoming better and better. There are two episodes of this podcast that I, if you want to listen, men talk about their mental health and things they've been through. And one of them, Roland Andrews, who is also on TikTok, and he is a huge country singer. Uh, I don't know about Nashville. He's too uh, explicit for Nashville. You know what I mean? Like he's he says off the off colored things that Nashville won't touch. So, sort of mm. think of uh, Jason Aldean. You know, think of Jason Aldean. The outrage he's caused over trying in a small town, and, and and Brian Andrews is like tenfold that P people don't want to touch that, right? And oh, Brian Andrews, about, he's from you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's Kansas, great, dude. Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. He's from Missouri. Yeah. Brian Andrews. Yep. He's been on. You got to get me in touch with that guy. Me, me and him. I got his phone song. number, man. I got his phone number. Once again, another guy that, you know, we have connected and he's an amazing dude. I'm proud to call him a friend. Um, he sent me this release of his song, his newest song, Rinse Repeat. He sent it to me in text like a month before it came out. And I got to listen to it for like a month straight. And it was just like, this song gives me goosebumps. It's called Rinse Repeat. It's out on Apple and all that now. Incredible yeah. tune about mental health. Um, and mm -hmm. another guy that 
is is good for the mental health on TikTok, Johnny Tsunami. He on the on the podcast he talked about the night that you know he found himself hanging from the rafters. Uh, he had the noose wrapped around his neck. He was hanging, and and something didn't sit right, and the noose broke, and he fell on the floor unconscious. But when he woke up, he was a, a new man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible to listen to that, and it was powerful stuff for sure. I love that man. So I, 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 I follow, I follow, I follow Brian Andrews, and you know, I can definitely tell that man. Like, yeah, that guy's got, he's got some stuff. He's got some stuff to talk about, and uh, yeah, man, he comes from a blue collar, blue collar background, and um, that's good, man. I, I I love when there's good good people and good hearted people doing really good things that, you know, don't feel like Nashville is the, the, the everything. Um, it's not, there's so much, we have to stop idolizing Nashville. We have to start, we have to stop. We have to start idolizing just like individuality and just being yourself and, and just writing, writing what you, what you want to write and, and not trying to just trying to fit in with this, with this, this, this genre. Yeah, no, that's, that's important. That's huge. Um, yeah. Brian Andrews is definitely all about that. Yeah. Right. Um, one of my favorite people to listen to every time I see one of his videos, I get all giddy and I don't even know what it's about yet. And then I, and then he slaps you with it and it's like, Oh, another masterpiece by Brian. Right. And yeah. there you go. And dude, same. Every time one of your videos pop up now, it's like, all right, what's he going to say? Even if you're not playing a song, you got the guitar in your hand, you're, you're putting out, I don't know. Is it a riff or a note? Yeah. It's not a riff, is it? Like a little melody. Yeah. Like a little melody. You're playing a little melody and, and you're delivering a message through that melody. Right. Yeah. And I love that. I love that, man. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to find my, my, uh, my lane, but, uh, you know, I just, I want to make sure that I'm honest and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just being myself. Like I can't, I can't do TikTok if I'm just doing the trends and I'm just trying to be like everyone else. Like I have to just do my own thing. And, um, you know, I just think it's, yeah, it's finding, it's finding where you fit. Yep. Amen to that. Amen to that. I, uh, I've told this story a bunch of times about where I fit and at during the pandemic, like I said, I was going through my own mental health thing and, and I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't know if I wanted to be in this industry, the oil and gas industry anymore. I didn't know if it was for me. I didn't know if I wanted to be here and maybe it was time to change it up a bit. And I started the TikTok thing and, you know, um, I became a part of the Alberta wide or the Canada wide oil and gas industry. Right. Mm -hmm. And I got to see everyone in the industry come together. And then as I got bigger, it became part of the North American oil and gas industry. And then mm -hmm. as it got bigger, I became part of the worldwide picture of the oil and gas industry. And I got to see everyone from all over the globe in this industry come together and kind of unite. Um, our industry is looked at as dirty. It's looked at as not good for the environment. It's looked at as an eyesore. Mm. And to watch people come together and try to change how people view us and shine a big light onto our industry, it's been beautiful. And through that, you know, I was reunited with my love for the industry. 
Mm. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. And uh, I was no longer searching elsewhere for where I belonged because here, right here is where I am. Right here is where I want to be. Right here is where I will continue to be. Uh, I don't know if we can call it a fight, but for the lack of a better word, fighting the good fight to bring um, a positive light to to a dark and gloomy industry, I guess. Love that. Be yeah, the man. coffee. Be the coffee bean. Be the coffee bean. I love that. I you love gotta, it. You got to listen to a guy named uh, Damon West. Go look up Damon West and uh, hear his story, man. This guy's all about. Uh, he went to. He went to prison, and uh, it's all about being the coffee bean. And and I'll, and I'll I'll quickly say that. He had a mentor in prison that taught him this very important thing. And he said, I've got a pot of water and I'll give you, there's three different things. I'm going to, I'm going to drop each one and you tell me what happens. So he's like, you can drop a carrot in drop. What happens when you drop a carrot into hot water? It's going to become soft. He's like, there's people in prison that once they get in jail, they turn soft. And these are the people that get taken advantage of and are become like, you know, everyone's bitch and stuff like that. Um, then there's the egg. You drop an egg in a hot water, you get hardened inside and your heart becomes heart and you get, you, you join the gangs and you just become a different person and you, in, in, you can't be healed from it, from your heart. And he said, what happens when you drop a coffee bean in? Well, that, that turns into coffee. So he said, when you're in here, he's like, you got to be a coffee bean. You got to change the people around you. And, and that was his, that was his metaphor for life, man. He's just like, he didn't join a gang. He was an independent in the in the jail, and he changed the prison around him. And he didn't. Uh, and now he's he, he's a best selling uh, motivational speaker and author. And his book called "Be a Coffee Bean." And then he also has a book called "The Change Agent." But you, if you can get a hold of him, dude, that'd be a great one for your podcast. I would love that. You know. I had a podcast. I was part of a podcast before, and you know we focused on oil and gas mainly, like blue collar. And you know it sort of backed us into a corner. And I'm kind of glad that I've gone this route, where you know if I just want to talk to anybody, if you got a cool yeah. story, I want to talk to you because you know I, I stick with mainly blue collar people. There's a lot of blue collar people with a cool story, you know, but mm. there's other people outside of that that are that are doing amazing things that are incredible people that have a story worth listening to you know what i mean yeah. and yeah. and so i'm i'm kind of glad that we've gone this way because you know i wouldn't have this conversation with you you're you're not blue collar you you don't do anything blue collar right you you're 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 an artist right yeah now, no there I... are a lot of artists that that have been in the blue collar industry before that or or still in it that are paying for their their craft but you know, um, you're you're not in it. You're you're focusing on being an artist. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm not I'm not afraid of hard work. Like I've done a lot of late labor jobs. Like landscaping was always my thing. Um, you know, did a lot of odd jobs, the cement jobs and stuff like that. But yeah, it was always a means to an end. And um, yeah, I, I'm I definitely started getting more into sales and and stuff like that in my later years and. That's that's kind of something that just always yeah always kind of fit me more was uh, was sales and selling myself and yeah that those kind of things. It's amazing, dude. Hey, I'm not gonna keep you too much longer. Um, usually, I like to 
wrap the show up with with one last question here and uh it it, it stumps a lot of people it gets it gets a lot of uh people you know kind of thinking and that's kind of the point of it but um mount rushmore has four of the most influential people in north american history on it some people say american but i think north american so north american history um if you could build a Mount Rushmore with four people that you look up to um, or aspire to be or have inspired you, um, who would be on it and why? Hmm. I can see why this stumps people. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one, man. It's a good one. Hmm. I think for me, um, if it came to Mount Rushmore, I think I'd have to put um, – you know, people that were just game changers, um, you know, game changers in their industry or, or something like that. Um, you know, I was, I don't know, man. Um, I'd have to go with Wayne Gretzky. Mm. I put Wayne Gretzky up there for changing, uh, changing the game of hockey. Um, you know, I'd put someone like, I don't know why I even want to say this, but Stephen Curry. Um, for musicians, who would I put up there that's just like a musician that changed it? Wow. Johnny Cash. It's a good one. And, man, let's just go, uh, that's tough, man. Four people. Um, Yeah, four people that you look up to or that have inspired you. Yeah. Let's just put Andy Priscilla. (laughs) Who's that one? Andy Priscilla is uh the owner of first form he's uh it's just like yeah that guy saved me man that guy yeah he 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 created 75 hard and uh he's the guy that uh yeah he helped me so much through covid man it was just like yeah he just really his his podcast the real af podcast is one of the most amazing podcasts i've ever listened to and it's like I, I've listened to almost every episode and there was a many dark nights where I would be walking around the neighborhood just listening to his podcast. So yeah, we're going to put Andy Purcell up there. So what's his podcast called? Uh, Real AF. Real? Oh, Real AF. Okay. I think I've seen that actually in the pod, like the Apple podcast, uh, like, like it's suggested. Yeah. Straight dude. up there with a, a couple listen, other you ones. You got to listen to that, man. That's a... That's a freedom-loving boy. That's a hardworking entrepreneur that built up a incredible multi-million-dollar company, and uh, yeah, he's a huge idol of mine. Did Did we mention yet that we do have a connection, you and I? We do. Good old Chris Barber. Ah, Chris Barber. Yes, that guy's sir. a gem, man. I. It was so funny um, when I first started to connect with him, like. I had someone. I had someone warn me. They're like, "Man, be careful of Chris Barber. He's the most evil man in the face of this planet." And then I got on the phone with him. I'm like, "This guy? That's the nicest freaking man I've ever met in my life." Yeah, you know, 
I had him on the podcast. I've yeah. hung out with him. We've talked on the phone for a while. You yeah. know, it's just a solid, solid individual. And when I did the podcast with him, a lot of people want him on their shows to talk Freedom Convoy. Yeah. Right? They want they want that side of him. I got him on and we didn't even touch on it for the first half an hour. And we maybe touched on it for 10, 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted I wanted the blue collar trucker, the the family man. I wanted the the smart blue collar family man on my podcast to talk about anything else but the, the convoy for a little bit because he is so much more than that. And when and when you have a conversation with a man, he he lays down facts, he enlightens you. He's very intelligent. And then, and then of course, we, we get into the convoy. We talk about it for a couple minutes, and, and then we moved on, right? And, and you know, that was, that's what I wanted. I wanted to humanize Chris Barber because not many people do that. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. He is a, uh, they, yeah, he's a good man. They're either treating him like a superhero or they treat him like a villain. Right. There's no like, hey, this is Chris Barber. He's a regular human being. He just wanted to see a different different path for his country. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I gotta go and call the watch before I hit the hit the hay. So uh I appreciate it. Uh, it's fun. I get it really excited on like recording now. I get super excited on podcast release day. Um, you know, um, count down the hours starting in the morning. It drops at 5 p.m. on Tuesdays. And at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, ooh, you know, hours to go. And, you know, we're, you know, I, I just get really excited. And it's, it's, it's my thing. So awesome, dude. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait till it comes out. Absolutely, man. I'll probably, probably be. Probably drop this one uh, first uh, week of September, the first Tuesday in September. Um, I dedicated all of August to the blue collar ladies, uh, and uh, or yeah, just ladies in general. I dedicated the whole month, the whole podcast, a total sausage fan, thirty episodes, six women, the rest all dudes. I wanted to hear from the ladies. So. There you go. Awesome, man. Sounds good. good. Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you for coming on, dude. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, Greg, stay frosty. I will.